Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, July 20th, 2021. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I am a senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I am joined on today's episode by Slash Film senior writer and chief film critic Chris Evangelista. Oh, hello. All right, Chris, let's jump right into the news today. Uh, we have some interesting news from the world of Netflix about a potentially burgeoning new cinematic universe. Why don't you tell me about that? Yeah, so Lee Yaniak, who uh, directed the Fear Street trilogy for Netflix, uh, she's doing press right now, and um, she said that what she would love to do is kind of create a horror cinematic universe in the style of the MCU, but for Netflix. She said, uh, quote, One of the exciting things about Fear Street is the fact that the universe is big and allows for a lot of space. One of the things I talked about before I was hired was that we had we have a potential here to create a horror Marvel cinematic universe where you can have slasher killers from lots of different eras. You have the canon of our main mythology that's built around the fact that the devil lives in shady side. So there's also room for everything else. Uh, yeah. And there, there's more, but 
go to, go to slash com to read those quotes. I'm not yes. going to read them all. <laughs> uh, okay. So Chris, since we've not had a chance to record a water cooler episode in a long time, I want to pick your brain real quick about these fear street movies, because I've not seen any of them. I know that you reviewed all of them for slash film. I will actually link to all of your reviews here so people can get your full uh, thoughts about those. Um, but just generally speaking, what did you think about these movies? And then secondarily, what do you think about the idea of, uh, a potential fear street horror cinematic universe here? Uh, I really liked these movies. I had a lot of fun with them. I, uh, I liked all three of them. I think I, I like, uh, one most of all, but I liked, I love all three of them. Uh, and yeah, I love this idea, especially if they keep Lee, Lee Antioch involved because she clearly knows what she's doing. I, I've been a fan of her since, um, her first movie, which was called, uh, honeymoon which came out in i want to say like 2017 or something like that Hmm. i could i could be wrong but that's like a a neat little horror indie movie that i feel like a lot of people haven't seen and i hope they they seek that out now that i she's sort of like blowing up with with these movies but uh yeah i mean i you know i grew up on you know rl stein i mean i grew up more on on stephen king than rl stein but you know i read the rl stein stuff and i just love the idea of you know, making this happen. I also love the idea of uh, letting it sort of happen organically. Like, even though Leanne Yak says in this quote, you know, I talked about this idea of net with Netflix, with a cinematic universe. I like that. They didn't try and jump right in and make it mm-hmm. happen. Like, you know, the dark universe where they, <laughs> they instantly tripped over their own feet. Cause you know, you need to, I, I feel like I, I've said this before on this show and elsewhere, but the, 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 trick to making a cinematic universe work at least in my opinion is you have to let it sort of earn its 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 place you yeah. have to let it, like like even though like you know the marvel cinematic universe was sort of planned out it wasn't like they didn't plan it to be what it is today is what i'm saying mm-hmm. and you know they sort of let that that unfold the way it did and they had to, you know they built up to these bigger event movies like the avengers movies and i feel like if you're going to make this, this idea of a cinematic universe work, that's how you have to approach this shit. You can't like jump in and be like, we're going to do it from the start. Cause it's going, you're going to just going to fuck it up from the get go. So yeah. I hope, you know, I hope that if they do go through with this, they, they do, you know, learn that lesson. And they let this unfold more organically than being like, you know, fucking Russell Crowe as Dr. Jekyll shows up. And, you know, <laughs> yes. Um, real quick, Chris, have you, did you happen to see the trailer for the fear street movies? Like I think Netflix released a sort of a trailer for all three of them. Do you know what I'm talking about? Did you, did you happen to watch that or had, had you already seen all of the movies? Cause you got screeners at that point in the marketing process. Uh, no, no, I saw, I saw the trailer first and then I got the, uh, the screeners. Okay. I watched that and was kind of like, you know, I, I was intrigued by the, the idea of this fear street trilogy, you know, like one a week and all that stuff. I was like, Oh, that's kind of a cool idea. And then I watched that trailer and I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know about this, but I, I know that you like these movies a lot. So do you think that that trailer was just, uh, kind of an iffy trailer and doesn't necessarily perfectly represent the the movies that you enjoyed or, or what do you think? Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I didn't mind the trailer, but I can see what you're saying. I do think, um, whether or not you like these movies is going to depend on where you stand on, on the horror genre. Like if you're like, you know, in the tank for horror as I am, I think you're going to, you know, like these more than a casual viewer who only is like, I only Mm. casually, like if you, if you love horror, you're going to love these movies because, these movie, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say they're like unoriginal, but they're very much homages to 
like the history of horror mm-hmm. that came before it. Like the, these movies would not exist where if you know a bunch of other horror movies didn't exist first. So yeah, that's part of the fun where you're watching it and you're like, oh, I can I can see all the references, but I don't like, I don't really know where you stand on the horror genre. I mean, I, I feel like I've seen a lot of the big ones, uh, a lot of the classics, but it's certainly not something that I know spend a ton of time in i I feel like i i dip in and out here and there um so i don't know i I wonder if i have enough of a of a foundation uh to be able to pick up on those references and make it worthwhile but i don't know maybe maybe i'll maybe i'll uh say screw that trailer and give these things a shot anyway and i'll I'll report back and let you know but at the very least i would say you know halloween's coming up faster than we might realize i feel like if you want to wait around till like october and then binge them i think it'd be like a great like Halloween month watch. Yeah, that's that's a really good idea. I think I'll probably do that. Okay. Uh, all right. So our next story here involves Batgirl, the uh, solo movie that Warner Brothers is developing. Um, they've been trying to get this made for a long time. Uh, Joss Whedon was attached to write and direct at one point. He left the project uh, a year or two ago at, at this point. But now there are some names that are being thrown out that are uh, are potentially going to be testing to play the lead role starting this week. Uh, so I'll just run through these names here. There's only four of them that we know of right now. One is Ila- uh, Isabella Merced, who you might recognize from starring in Dora and the Lost City of Gold. She also played the young female lead in Transformers The Last Night. Uh, there is Zoe Deutsch, who starred in uh, the Netflix rom-com Set It Up that we talked about a lot when that movie came out a couple years ago. Uh, she was also in Richard Linklater's college baseball hangout movie Everybody Wants Some. She was in Zombieland Double Tap. She's been around uh, several times over the past few years. Leslie Grace is another of the names. Uh, she, I think, only has one film role right now, and that is as the character of Nina in uh, the musical In the Heights, which just came out on uh, in theaters on and on uh, oh, HBO yeah. Max. And uh, she was the character who was um, dancing on the side of the building with Corey Hawkins' character in that, in that uh, film, in case people maybe saw that one and uh, don't instantly recognize her name. And then finally, uh, Haley Lou Richardson, who has been is like one of my favorite young actors right now. She was uh, really great in Unpregnant, a movie that I've sort of been singing its praises for a long time. She was in Columbus. She was in The Edge of Seventeen, uh, Support the Girls. Um, she's she's very good. So uh, yeah, weirdly. Um, deadline when they reported, they were like, yeah, Haley Lou Richardson may have bowed out before the test process begun, but the rap said that she was actually, uh, she and Leslie Grace were the top two contenders for the role. So there seems to be some confusion among the uh, the trade outlets there about who exactly is is going to be, you know, literally stepping in front of a camera to do screen tests and stuff for this movie. But um, those are the four names right now. Uh, Chris, just, I mean, off the top, <laughs> I, we don't really know anything about the approach of what this Batgirl movie is going to be. Um, details are, have been pretty scant so far. We know that Christina Hodson, who wrote Birds of Prey and the upcoming The Flash movie, is writing it, uh, and that the guys who directed uh, Bad Boys for Life are directing, but that's kind of it. So based on what little, very little information we have here, is there any one of these names that jumps out to you as like, oh yeah, that would be cool. I, I could see her having fun playing Batgirl. Not really. I mean, I I know... I guess all these actors except one of them. And I don't really, I don't know. I, 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 I can't, I can't get like anything out of this list of names for some reason. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Any of them will be fine. Good luck to all these actresses. Yeah. I wish I, mean, I, wish I knew a little bit more about what the take was going to be because right. like Barbara Gordon, you know, that character has, has lived many lives in, in the, uh, the course of the comics. You know, she was, she was Batgirl. She was Oracle. Um, you know, this character who was sort of like a, 
I guess she was um, paralyzed by the Joker and then became like a tech guru who sort of like oversaw and ran operations for Batman and Nightwing and people like that. Um, so I don't know like what the span, what the scope of this Batgirl movie slash story is going to be. So it's tough to say like, <laughs> you know, I, I enjoy, I guess, all of these actresses for for the strengths that they have, but I just don't know what the what the take is here. So, yeah. Um, like, is it just going to be like Batgirl on her own? Is Batman going to be in the movie? Like, I'm yeah, not saying. And then, you... and then if it's Batman, is it Robert Pattinson's Batman? Because right. Yeah. That's like, yeah. It's, it's so weird. Like, I don't know what they're doing over there. What are hmm. you doing over there? Warner brothers <laughs> clue us in. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess Zoe Deutsch and, uh, and Haley Lou Richardson, like just off the top of my head, seem like they might be able to have some good chemistry with, with Robert Pattinson, but like traditionally the Barbara Gordon character is not like a romantic, uh, relation to the Batman character. It's more of like the, the bat family, you know, like some, I think she's, um, commissioner Gordon's daughter. And so there's more of a, uh, you know, like a taking her under the wing kind of thing. And like all of these actresses seem to be around Robert Pattinson's age. So it's not like there's a, a huge, um, mentor, uh, relationship that I can see easily forming there. So, yeah, I still have questions, uh, basically. So uh, we'll see what happens. I'm sure this this um, testing process is going to get narrowed down further, and we'll talk about this more later on. Uh, a couple of HBO and HBO Max things that I just wanted to touch on really quickly. Um, HBO is going to be spending Game of Thrones money on The Last of Us, which is the, the TV adaptation of the upcoming... Uh, or, or I'm sorry, the TV adaptation of the very popular video game series. Um, I just wanted to mention that... Uh, Let's see, who is this? The International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees Union President, Damian Petty, said that basically the budgets for this, he, he would not say the, what the official budget number was, but he said that uh, it's uh, likely the largest project shooting in Canada. This project well exceeds the eight figure per episode mark. So um, that is you know $10 million plus, and uh, there are not very many TV shows uh, historically that have had budgets that high, like Game of Thrones final season. I think they were spending 15 million an episode. Um, ER at, at one stretch was like 13 million an episode. I think uh, big bang theory and friends near the end cost around 10 million because the cast had, you know, had worked on those shows for so long that they were able to uh, demand such high rates. Um, so yeah, this is going to be like up there in terms of the most expensive TV shows of all time, which, uh, I'm looking forward to because I really like those games and I think there's uh, the potential for this show to be really great. So I just wanted to mention that very quickly. And then uh, the only other, I guess, speaking of Game of Thrones money, uh, HBO Max is developing two more animated Game of Thrones shows. And um, there was one project that we talked about when uh, it was called the, the Flea Bottom or it was going to be about Flea Bottom, which is the sort of really, really poor uh, street kingdom in the shadow of King's Landing, that show, there's going to be a whole show about just that, like this ground level show, that show has been scrapped. And the, a couple of animated shows are now, uh, in development. So, um, one of them is going to about, be about the fictional realm of Yaitai, I think, or Yiti. I'm not sure how you pronounce that, but it is a, an unseen region located in the continent of Essos and an approximate stand-in for Imperial China. So, uh, I think one of the big dings on Game of Thrones was that it, it didn't necessarily um, have like a ton of cultural representation and, and different, uh, you know, there were, there were some shades of differences between 
Is uh, that like a thing in the book where the, their kingdoms inspired by? Because like I don't, I didn't read the books, but I never thought of like this kingdom is inspired by this real place. Like, is that in the books? Yeah, there- kind of. Um, George R. R. Martin, I think, has said that like the the. Um, trying to remember the name of the specific kingdoms now and i for some reason can't even though i spent so much of my life like completely obsessed with this shit but uh (laughs) anyway um yeah i think he's basically said that like a lot of it was a stand-in for like medieval europe and um like the the dorn area i think was supposed to be uh influenced by spain um so yeah there were there are um other parts of these fictional realms that that have like real world counterparts or at least real world inspirations, but the books never really get too much into that. It's just sort of him using them as a jumping off point, I think. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to let people know that there's more game of Thrones stuff in the works. So, um, who knows how much of it will actually make its way through the, uh, the development gauntlet. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. Okay, so let's get on to our last story here, which is kind of an interesting one, um, and it involves a, a director that we like quite a bit. So, uh, Chris, tell me about this last story here. Yes, it's called. Uh, there's a movie called We Have a Ghost, and it's coming from director Christopher Landon. And Christopher Landon directed um, the first two, first two, the only two Happy Death Day movies. Uh, he d- just directed Freaky. He wrote a bunch of the Paranormal Activity movies. And we learned about this yesterday uh, because Christopher Landon himself posted uh, about it on on Netflix. He just posted the uh, the slate for the film, which said, "We have a ghost," and everyone was like, "What the hell is this?" And you know, we all assumed based on his background and that title, like, "Oh, this must be a horror movie." But he actually took to Twitter and quickly said, "Like, this is not a horror movie." And so. I did some digging, uh, and by digging, I mean I just Googled this really quickly, and I found out that in, <laughs> in, in 2017, uh, Christopher Landon was attached to direct a film based on a short story called Ernest, and that short story is about um, a family that discovers there's a ghost in their house, and they end up turning the ghost into like a viral star. I haven't read the story, but that's what it's about, so the ghost becomes like a viral sensation. Uh, and I, you know, I was like, well, this is probably the movie he's ta- he's making because it has, you know, a ghost in it. And sure enough, we found out today that uh, that's true. This is an adaptation of that story. And we often also know that the cast is going to include uh, Anthony Mackie, David Harbour, Tig Notaro, uh, Jennifer Coolidge, and a, a bunch of other people. You can you can read the full list on, on SlashHome.com. So, uh, yeah, what do you think about this, Chris? You said you have not read the short story. I have not either. But the idea of a uh, a ghost becoming a viral sensation sounds like kind of an interesting premise. It sounds like something that uh, Christopher Landon could really sort of sink his teeth into. It sounds like it's kind of in his wheelhouse. Do you agree? Yeah, this sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, and after um, uh, I loved the Happy Death Day movies and I, I really loved Freaky. So after those those things alone, I'm I'm immediately interested in, in anything Christopher Landon does. So yeah, I'm, I'm very curious about this and it's a, it's got a fun cast and that's a, that's a amusing premise. So I, I hope it all, uh, turns out well in the end the one thing that i kind of has have a little bit of hesitation about is um in your story here you say that uh that you have a, a quote about the um uh i guess the log line of the movie um when when one of the kids who finds the ghost and the ghost go rogue to investigate the mystery of the ghost's past 
they become a target of the CIA. Yes. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that's in the story. Like when I, when I was doing the research for this yesterday, I didn't see anything mentioned about the CIA in the story. So okay. I don't know if they like made that up for the movie or what, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I get part of me feels like they must've made that up because in a short story, you can have it just be like, ah, oh, the ghost went viral. But right, I guess right. when you're making a movie, it's like, we got to have something else happen here. But I mean, that kind of sounds like an Amblin movie, doesn't it? Like yeah. from, from the late 80s or something? Like Yeah, uh, where the ghost is like E.T. and they're, they're after the ghost. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, yes, we look forward to any and all new uh, Christopher Landon projects. So, um, you know, fingers crossed still for Happy Death Day 3. You and I really both like those movies a lot. So yeah. uh, we have a ghost. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. I'm putting this on my radar right now. So. Uh, all right, I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of Slash Film Daily. You can find more about all of these stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all of the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at SlashFilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget also to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out a lot. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.